Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 358. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey. Uh, this week on the show, we'll be talking about Caleb Michael Johnson's The Carnivores. We'll also be going over some more we're watching on the watch list, new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray spoiler alert. There are no new releases in theaters this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That would be super helpful. couple housekeeping things to go over. There is a new Save by the 90s episode out right now. We decided to do something a little bit different. Uh, and the theme this month is current events. So Outbreak came out in 1995 this month. And I was like, well, this is a very timely. This is a very mm-hmm. timely release, isn't it? And so, so I was like, oh, I was talking to Ken and we were like, oh, we got to come up with some kind of theme around Outbreak. Uh, What, what else could we do? And then I kind of thought, oh, well, maybe we could make all the movies sort of tell a story or be reflective of what's happening in the world today. And Ken was like, well, I'm not sure we got to take a look. And what we came up with was, I think, pretty fun. So in the episode, we talk about the hunt for red October, which is obviously about a Russian sub and perhaps a, you know, going to war with Russia. We talk about primary colors, which is about a presidential election. We talk about outbreak. And then we talk about tank girl, of course, which is our inevitable conclusion, the dystopian future that we are all headed towards. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it was a fun episode. You can check that out on uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Saved by the 90s. Uh, no no new Ryan Watches movie this week. We're trying to get it worked out with him. He wants to record. He told me he wants to record because he's tired of just constantly watching the news. But he's having some, some quarantine issues with uh, COVID-19. He's in good health. But we're trying to get the logistics figured out and um, we'll get back to it as soon as we can. Gotcha. Uh, one last thing. I do have a new YouTube video up on our YouTube channel. I had this ready for a while, but I was just trying to come up with a good time to post it. And I figured since everybody's in now, let's <laughs> I'll go ahead and put it up. I decided that I want to go through and do a new video series on Sierra adventure games. Cause I, I grew up with Sierra adventure games and I really loved playing them and uh for 2020 i decided to replay a bunch of them and make uh uh, videos about them so i started off with the gabriel knight games uh so you can check out a video that i made about the first gabriel knight game up on our youtube channel it's pretty fun pretty good time and I'm, i'm hoping to have the second one done fairly soon i just finished getting all the footage i need last night so might be a little bit for that i haven't come up with like a release schedule because it takes me a, a while to play through the game and then write a script and then you know get everything edited and all that so just stay tuned uh i'll, I'll be putting out announcements and stuff as to when those are going to be coming out with that i think we can jump into our review now the carnivores was supposed to come out uh it was supposed to premiere south by southwest this year and unfortunately it, it didn't we were able to get a few of the movies that were slated to premiere there and give them some coverage you can um, go to the the site where we'll be posting up some reviews on some titles that were supposed to premiere there i have a synopsis for this one allison brett's dog harvey's dying and he's ruining everything what had been a bright little family is quickly getting consumed by clouds of self-doubt, suspicion, and a disturbing amount of ground beef. This stars Lindsay Burge and Tally Mandel. I have a review for this up on the site, so we'll start with you, Kevin. What did you think of The Carnivores? Well, first off, I think that puts a lot of, you know, I think that makes it tough for Harvey, saying that he's ruining everything. I don't think it's really Harvey's fault. Poor dog. <laughs> I know, right? Like, right <laughs> just putting everything on him. He doesn't know what's going on. Poor guy's just sick. Poor Harvey. I love Harvey. Yeah, he, he yeah he doesn't know about you know medical treatments and you know the toll that they take financially and psychologically. He doesn't know about any of that. He's just doing his thing. The humans are making all the decisions here. Not Harvey's fault. 
So I, I take on bricks with that right off the bat. This is this is a movie that's one of those rare instances where, like, when it comes to indie films, which is there's there's like a guarantee with American indie films that they're going to be 90 minutes or shorter, mm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, it's like it, I mean, it's pretty much a guarantee going in. But this is one of those rare instances where the the, the runtime and what's inside of that runtime just felt incomplete to me. Hundred percent agree. It, it, it just it felt a bit too loose, and I think like towards the beginning, it sets it all up very nicely with you know what's happening with Harvey here, the stress, the toll that it's taking on this relationship, and you see you know it, both of them, Alice and Brett, are both dealing with it differently, obviously because Harvey is Brett's dog, and has been her dog for you know longer than she's known Alice. So there's that connection there where Alice doesn't really have necessarily the same type of connection with this dog that Brett does. And of course, the strain that it puts on the relationship. But then, you know, once it progresses and progresses and, you know, kind of escalates, it just, it, it kind of becomes thinner and thinner as the movie goes on. Yeah. I think it's like 77 minutes or something. So I, I felt, I felt like it was a little bit lacking as well. I liked what they were doing with it where the stress of this whole situation is affecting both of them in very different ways. So you have uh, Brett who is completely devoting a hundred percent of her time to Harvey and sort of at the detriment of their relationship. She's ignoring, she's ignoring her partner, right? She's um, there's clearly something going on with Alice and, Brett doesn't even see this. She's she's so focused on Harvey, spending all her time with Harvey, taking these long walks, and just um, devoting 100% of her time to Harvey that um, she's sort of neglecting Alice in this. And then on and then Alice is having she's having a lot of problems of her own. She's she's feeling neglected. She's feeling lonely, and she starts sleepwalking at night, which becomes a, a really big problem and she's growing very resentful of Harvey during this situation too because you know Harvey's taking up all of Brett's time and she she wants to spend more time with with uh Brett and she has this like journal where she she's looking at like how much sleep she got she's not getting any sleep uh, they're not having sex she's keeping track of that so there's there's a lot of problems that Alice is having too and it just sort of progressively gets worse now i feel like the i'm not going to give it away but i feel like the scene that happens where it's sort of like it's sort of like the 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 climax like the big the sort of rock bottom scene for both brett and and alice i feel like it could have been could have been a little bit bigger i felt like it was like a little bit lacking and i i think this goes along with wanting a little bit more development in the narrative and now i will say that that scene in particular i think we're thinking of the same scene and a number of scenes in this movie i do like the filmmaking behind it oh absolutely yeah you know what i mean like the actual filmmaking behind it is great i don't think there's really anything lacking in that regard but i I agree with you in terms of the narrative it does feel lacking. it feels like it just it kind of gets a sense of it starts off very very strong peters out a little bit and then it just doesn't really know where to go or how to essentially like wrap this up because everything with the the uh the ground beef yeah uh like that i don't know that just didn't 100 percent work for me i didn't really i was just kind of missing the connection there the only thing i could come up with with the ground beef was that alice was trying to she she was like sort of trying to mimic Harvey and sort of turning into this sort of animalistic form. Yeah. Cause there is a, there's a particular scene in the, in the, in the backyard where, yeah, a hundred percent. She does that. <laughs> you can't, you can't help but make that connection. Yeah. So I, I think that that was where the ground beef fixation came from, but, but I liked that. But I wanted, I just wanted a little bit more of that, you know, that, that sort of downward spiral that she's in. I feel like we could have gone further with it. I want rock bottom to be a little bit lower is what I'm saying. Oh, 
Wow. I wanted to go a little bit, a little bit further. Yeah, but, no, I mean, I don't know. I think for me, it was just the, the, that journey into rock bottom just didn't feel developed enough for me. Mm-hmm. Again, it, it's just a bit, it's a bit too thin and lacking in development, I think. Yeah. Now, to be clear, what is here, I really did like. As you said, yeah. I, I liked all the filmmaking. I thought that the performances were from Lindsay Burge and Tally Medell were great. Uh, Frank Mosley's in there too, and he plays a little bit of an odd, an odd character. And I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not sure what was going on with, uh, with that whole situation with with Dogman. <laughs> His character's name's Dogman. I didn't even know that was him. No, I, I didn't either until after when I started writing the review and saw it. I didn't know it was him either. So you have like good performances in here. What what is on screen? I did enjoy. I like this sort of exploration. To see how like this this traumatic event can affect this relationship in sort of these adverse ways, but I just felt like I, it could be more. Like there there's there should be more here. But what what is on screen, I did I did enjoy. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I just I, I think a, a little bit more of their their relationship. Just a, you know, a little bit more of a, a deeper dive into that relationship. In either way, too, you know, the stresses of it, everything that's happening, you know, the downward spiral part of it, or you know, maybe the, the beforehand. I don't know, but I, I just, which I guess is uh, to a certain extent a good thing, is that I did want more. Uh, you can read my full written review up on the site right now. It's up there. Let's go ahead and give it a score. I give it a seven in my review. The, really, the only problems I had with it were just I, I also sort of wanted a little bit more out of the characters and out of this this plot. I'd say I'd go like a six and a half. This is where I'm sitting. All right. That is The Carnivores. We will keep you updated on the release of this. Now, I, I don't know if this is going to end up at other festivals. I don't know if there even are going to be any other festivals this year, to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Who knows what's happening? Everything is completely up in the air at this point. Hopefully it'll get a, re- a VOD release sometime relatively soon. I'm not sure if it's been picked up yet by anybody, but yeah, ho- hopefully it'll it'll come out on VOD at some point in the near future. Now let's talk about someone we're watching on the watch list. Now, my watch list is eh, somewhat robust, considering oh, I've boy. been stuck inside for like two weeks going on two weeks now uh i'll start with another south by southwest movie since we're uh on that uh i saw yeah. the, the surrogate which is directed by jeremy hirsch uh, this was also due to premiere at, at south by but obviously didn't uh so i have a, a full review for this up on the site as well um it's a it's a story about a a young woman who decides to be a surrogate for her two best friends who are who are trying to have a child and they discover that the baby's going to have down syndrome and at first they decide that they want to terminate the pregnancy and the the woman played by Jasmine Bachelor she is she's okay with that at first but then she decides that maybe she wants to still have the baby and it causes a lot of turmoil within her life um both the relationship that she has with her two best friends, Josh and Aaron, who are trying to have the, the who it's their baby. And um, also like those around her, like the relationship with her parents, her parents don't think that she should keep the baby since she's just acting as a surrogate and it's actually going to be Josh and Aaron's baby. And so it's a very complex movie. I think the idea of, of surrogacy in and of itself adds for a lot of potential conflict in a story and to add in the fact that this is going to be a special needs child um it complicates matters even more and i think that uh jeremy hirsch handles it in a very interesting way where he doesn't really come down on any side like it's the it's such a a gray area where you could easily understand both sides of this this argument and I think that it raises a lot of really thought-provoking questions without necessarily saying this person is right or that person's right or this is what should happen in this situation. So 
I think it's it's um it's pretty good. I, I don't know I don't know what the release date or anything with this one is either, but keep an eye out for it. It's um it's a pretty solid indie drama and again that's called the surrogate. Well I have another South by Southwest. Oh boy. That didn't you know didn't happen. Because I don't know if we mentioned, but there was no South by Southwest. <laughs> we have film festivals for the rest of the year, probably. Uh, and that's Freeland. This is directed by Mario Ferloni and Kate McLean. Uh, this is, it has Christian Fairchild, Lily Gladstone, Frank mostly again. And this is about an aging pot farmer uh, who is has this vast land, you know, and she's been doing this for years. She's part of the communes, like, during the 60s and 70s. So kind of doing it, you know, off the grid for ages, right? And now, of course, times are changing. Everyone's going legit. But, of course, in order to go legit, it costs a shit ton of money. you got to do permits. you got to do all sorts of things. So for the time being, she's just been operating as is. But, of course the county and everything starts cracking down on her fines and such. So she's kind of faced this with this, uh, with this decision of either going legit or attempting to go legit because there's no guarantee that the, that the permits will actually be, you know, authorized and go through and you can have the legitimate business. You can spend all this money and it just doesn't happen. Right. So it's either that or just to shut down completely or to just, keep trying to go as she has been for decades, which of course has its own set of problems. And so that's, she's played by Chris Fairchild. Of course, she's the, the pot farmer here. And then Lily Gladstone, Frank Mosley, and Cameron James Matthew. Matthews are the, like the three helpers that help her harvest her crop. And then the whole thing is just, she kind of doesn't, she loses her distribution. And she doesn't really know what to do with this huge crop. And she's got to pay the people, you know, that we're harvesting and all this stuff. And for the most part, this movie is absolutely fantastic. It's just, it's really great uh, melding of, you know, narrative fiction with some like documentary aspects put into it. Because you actually, she actually goes to some of the old pot farms and you see like the new, you know, how they've been transitioned over and talking with some of the people that have been there through the history of, you know, pot farming out in the middle of nowhere. So it has this really patient approach that just really humane look into everything that goes into this world, right? But it, what it suffers from and what a lot of movies suffer from is this, um, essentially this like incessant need to add conflict you know what I mean? Like, we got to have some drama in here. Mm. We can't just let it be what it is, even though what it is is fantastic. So it adds this unnecessary drama at a certain point, escalates things far beyond where I think they should have went or what works for this movie. And then just at that point, with everything that happens from then on to the end, it just it kind of falls apart, unfortunately. But everything up until then, is just, it's phenomenal. It's fantastic. And that's free land. Um, keep an eye out for that, I would say. And one, one other thing to mention uh, to go along with it, uh, Christian Fairchild's performance. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And some of the locations, man, the, the way that they shoot them, the photography of these, whew, my goodness, gorgeous. Nice. Great. Uh, let's see. I saw Bamboozled from 2000. This uh, is the new Criterion version. It came mm-hmm. out, uh, directed by Spike Lee. I never saw Bamboozled. Have you seen Bamboozled? No, I have not. Yeah, this was a first time watch for me. Uh, if you're not familiar, it is a it's a satire about a a TV producer played by Damon Wayans who basically all of his pitches to the network are getting turned down, and he is getting pissed off at it's it's basically it's sort of satirizes Fox the way that Fox used to be when they were when they first became a network uh, if you remember they sort of exploded with a lot of black TV like Martin and in Living Color and stuff like that and it sort of 
pokes fun at the 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 like the white executives who think that they know what black audiences want out of TV shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. So Damon Wayne's character makes this has this idea for a like a new minstrel show where all of the characters they they're portrayed by black actors but they're all wearing blackface and it's it's so good it it's it's incredible it's really funny um i mean one thing that maybe hinders it a little bit is it's shot on digital and the fact that this was Mm, you know early digital yeah this is 2000 so it's like i can like i can see the images now yeah it looks very bad. However, any time that there's footage of the actual TV show that they make, they shot he shot that on 16 millimeter, and it looks fantastic. So it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit all over the place because I mean, with digital, it is what it is. Like you can't remaster digital, really. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's it's pretty much gonna look just as shitty you can clean it up a little bit but it's still gonna look very low res and kind of crappy um which i was a little worried about but it it actually doesn't detract from it too much in fact it it gives it almost this um almost a documentary style look to it and i I think that it actually works out it it actually benefits it a little bit in the end Hmm. at any rate i would highly recommend checking out bamboozled i feel like this is one of his one of spike lee's not not talked about as much titles and i feel like especially now uh in in the current climate that we're in i feel like this movie should be getting talked about more well i too have a movie that should be talked about more and that's claudine from 1974 directed by john barry uh first off performances performances fantastic dan carroll and james Earl jones just killing it here uh, this takes place in, obviously, the 70s in Harlem. Uh, James Earl Jones plays Roop. He's a garbage collector. And Claudine is a single mother, six kids. And she's, you know, she's on welfare. And she's just, she's having, she's having a difficult time. She's, she's got to do everything, right? She's got to worry about the six kids, get them off to school, making sure they're not getting in trouble, staying on top of things. She's got her own job uh, where she's kind of like a housekeeper. For this, uh, for this white couple out in the suburbs, so she's got to take a bus ride out there all the time, and that's where she ends up meeting James Earl Jones' root character. He's the the garbage collector in that in that uh, neighborhood, and they end up dating, and it gets into a lot of really interesting topics um, without getting too heady or getting too in depth. Uh, instead, kind of. Um, be more focused and entrenched in the realism of, but, you know, they get into the welfare system, um, all these rules and regulations and loopholes and all this bullshit in order to stay on the welfare. And, of course, group being in the picture kind of complicates things because if you have a man in the house, then you can't be on welfare because it's now his responsibility to take care of this woman and her six kids, but obviously he might not want to fully commit to that because he has his own thing going on. And it's just, it's, it's phenomenal. I mean, like the, again, the performances are great. Just the whole, the whole storyline of it and the way that it's handled and the realism, realism. And of course their relationship together, it's kind of, you know, and it goes through so many different, um, you know, ups and downs, just the trajectory of their whole relationship is really interesting. And I just, to me, it's like, a, it, it's a goddamn classic. And I don't understand how it's not like huge. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, but, man, it's so good. Yeah. I have not, uh, I, I don't even know if I've ever heard of this movie. I don't think I've heard, I've of heard this. about this movie uh, years ago. Right. And I've been trying to, watch this damn thing for god knows how long and it just it never shows up anywhere right so i i finally just said fuck it and bought the dvd uh this was nominated uh diane carroll was nominated for best actress at the 1975 academy awards so she should have won it was recognized i wonder who she lost to oh yeah and the music the music is uh glass night 
in the pits and Curtis Mayfield. They do the score. So, I mean, just pretty much everything about the movie is fantastic. She, uh, she lost to Ellen Burke. Yeah, for Alice. Alice doesn't live here anymore, which is... Uh, Some tight competition there. Man, that's a, talk about best actress in the leading role. 1975, you got Dan Carroll for Claudine. Ellen Burstyn for Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. Faye Dunaway for Chinatown. Gina Rollins for A Woman Under the Influence, which is maybe like all-time performance. And then Valerie Perrin for Lenny. That's a solid uh, solid slate right there. Yeah, that was the year that uh, Godfather 2 swept everything. Sweet. Crushing it. Crushing it. Uh, I saw Onward, which is the new Pixar movie. Mm -hmm. Directed by Dan Scanlon. Uh, so, I mean, I guess this could lead to a larger conversation about all these theatrical movies that are switching over to VOD all of a sudden. So like a lot of the big movies that are in theaters or were in theaters have now been fast tracked to VOD and Onward was one of them. Onward, interestingly, was not even, that wasn't one of the ones they announced. And then all of a sudden Friday night, they were like, oh yeah, we're going to put Onward out. And then they did it like two hours later or something. So onward, hmm. onward is on VOD right now that you can rent, which I did because I was a little, uh, slightly interested in uh, checking this out, and I didn't get a chance to see it while it was in theaters before the the shutdown occurred. And I was a little disappointed, to be honest. Hmm. You know, the the trailers didn't necessarily appeal to me to begin with, but I heard a lot of really good things, so. I, I was like, all right, let's uh, let's check it out. And then, of course, everybody was talking about how it's like a big tearjerker and stuff. And while the story is heartwarming, I I don't know. I just didn't feel very invested in this movie. I, f I felt like as far as like the Pixar slate, this is one of their their lesser ones for me. Like it's it's fun, but I just uh, didn't feel like there was a lot here. Well, hey, another good segue because I too watch a movie with the whole you know in theaters but now on vod that you can rent and that's the invisible man have you seen the invisible man i have i have have I, you seen that yeah yeah i talked about Did it you like it i think I talk, yeah i liked it a lot <laughs> yeah i know you talked about it okay <laughs> trying to get a little levity Ooh. in this quarantine times so friend. so uh what did you think of the invisible man uh, first, before I even talk about The Invisible Man, it is odd because it does feel like uh, when you talked about The Invisible Man, that felt like, I don't know, like four months ago. Maybe. I know. Isn't it weird? It was two weeks ago. We, so we didn't, we, didn't record, we didn't record last week. The week before that is when I talked about The Invisible Man. Yeah. Four months ago. So weird. Very bizarre. Uh, yeah. I, I pretty much enjoyed The Invisible Man. I mean, I what I like from Lee Wanell here is I just I like the this the the how do I want to phrase this the kind of like staying on topic like the hyper focused like he's an invisible man and he's terrorizing this woman making her life hell torturing her and then she has to fight back that's it that's all it is you know what I mean like all of his movies are just from what I've seen it's just there's a very there's a storyline. And we just stick that. There's none of, none of this, like, you know, little tangents mm -hmm. that we get sidetracked yeah. with, that we waste time with. Like, it's just, we get on the track and we stay on the track until it's done. That's yeah. it. Yeah. No actually, superfluous stops. We just go. Yeah. That's actually a good point. I never really thought about that with his movies. But, you know, a lot of, in a lot of movies, you have these, like, little just subplots and stuff. Like, how's, how's her job going? Like, uh, oh, well, there's, there's, She's she's working on a big project at work, and how's this affecting that? You know, like yeah. with, with so many other movies, you have those little side stories and stuff that that they're happening. But with this movie, yeah, you're right. It just completely stays complete hyper focused yeah. on what's going on. And like the the upgrade was pretty much exactly the same way. It's just you know very I don't want to say basic, but in in some term in some ways it is basic. Like there's just there's that one storyline. And like I said, you get on the track and we just take it to the end and then you're done, which works really well in terms of pacing. And it works really well in terms of like just the engagement levels, like the, it being a compelling experience is that with the Invisible Man, I didn't really feel or there were no lulls to me. Right. 
like I thought we were, we were always going. Mm-hmm. We're just, we're just, it's just progressing, progressing, progressing. So I, I thought it was pretty good. I love the idea of this, so, you know, the way that they went about this mm-hmm. with, you know, what he's doing. Cause he's a fucking awful, evil person, which I wasn't a hundred percent, uh, ready for it. Like, I didn't know that they would take him that far. Oh yeah. It, it would be that, you know, just downright evil. One thing that I enjoyed was that they, where, where he started the movie where we don't, we don't see all of the, the backstory. We don't see what led up to that moment. We start right from her getting out of that relationship. And that's the, yeah. I, I thought that that was uh, refreshing in terms of storytelling too, I think it works really, really well because you can imagine what the events were beforehand to lead to that. You know what I mean? Like you don't oh, need yeah. to see it. You don't need to know about it. You see the, what she went through in order to leave the house tells you everything you need to know, right? The amount of planning, all the work that needed to be done, just to get out of there. And it, I think it's a good introduction to the amount of tension that you're going to be feeling throughout the whole movie too. Cause it, it opens with that. It opens with that yeah. really, really tense scene of her trying to navigate through this high tech, super modern house, get out of there. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely recommend invisible man. Pleasantly surprised. All right. I'm glad you liked it. Um, yeah. I, I saw another one of the early VOD releases, which is The Hunt. This is directed by Craig, oh, Zob- yeah. Craig Zobel. Remember Craig Zobel? Mm-hmm. Compliance? Yeah. 24 years ago. <laughs> well, he also did Z for Zachariah, which I totally forgot about. Oh, yeah, that's right. Which was like that kind of post-apocalyptic one with Margot Robbie. Yeah. It was a, <laughs> that's right. Oh, my God, that's right. <laughs> we with it. Because at first I was like, oh, yeah, I really... I remember that title, but and now I just remember that I saw that. Like I saw that movie. I, I think f- we might have covered it. I, I don't. I don't even remember. I totally forgot about that movie until I saw the hunt and I, and I looked him up again. I was like, "Oh yeah, Z for Zachariah." I, I couldn't I, tell you what I, happens in it. Like I, all I, I remember is like maybe farming. I remember someone planting seeds. Hmm, That's all okay. I know. Yeah, I. I remember almost nothing about it but at any rate the hunt is pretty solid if you're not familiar with it so this is this is one i had a sort of a troubled release this, this was a lot of unfortunate things happened with this movie it was supposed to come out many months ago and then there was a, a shooting that occurred a mass shooting and they decided no we're not going to release it because it's this is a movie about people hunting people so they they held off and then it was supposed to come out or did come out uh, a couple weeks ago and like right, right before the whole COVID-19 thing hit. So yes, very, uh, very cursed this movie, but it's out on VOD yeah. now. And I, I really hope that it, it gains traction on VOD. I think that this is a movie that is perfectly suited for VOD to begin with. I could even see this as being a Netflix movie. Um, what you have here is it, it's a most dangerous game situation where you have rich people hunting poor people and the thing that sort of changes the dynamic in this one is that it's like these rich like sort of rich liberal elites who are hunting the kind of poor blue collar right wing republican people mm-hmm. it does it's not really saying that like it's not it's not taking a side like politically or anything it, it's 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 a political movie, but I think that what it's looking at is sort of the broader picture of the the divide that is, you know, happening in our country between liberals and conservatives. It's done very well. Um, it's it's funny. Maybe maybe I could have used a little bit more humor in it. I think at times it may take itself a little bit too seriously. Uh, Betty uh, Betty Gilpin is phenomenal in this she's she kicks so much ass in this she's she's incredible uh and i want to see her in like lots lots of more stuff because she's she's so good other than that it's uh it's pretty standard it's pretty much exactly what you would expect it's super violent there's a decent amount of practical effects makeup effects being used 
here, which I appreciated. There, there's some little CG things that are added to accentuate accentuate some of the violence, but decent amount of practical effects being used and some uh, pretty gory moments as well. So I would give it a light recommend. So check out okay. the art. Now I yeah. think I really I really like what they're doing here with the like really early VOD releases. Um, but I think that it, it also kind of, I think that it brings up an interesting debate on whether or not this is something that should be happening in a, in a post COVID-19 world. Like should, should studios continue to push out these bigger, you know, bigger budget Hollywood movies into, into VOD or onto VOD, you know, rather than just keeping them in theaters. Yeah. I mean, what what is what is your opinion on that? Now, I know that we talked a lot about like indie releases and like art house films and foreign films and stuff like that that don't get wide release, which makes a lot more sense to me. But how do you feel about these like larger wide release movies that get really quick turnaround times to VOD or maybe even day and date? Like in the case of the Trolls movie, that's going to be pushed to VOD the day it's supposed to be in theaters. It's very basic terms. I'm for it. I'm for it for, you know, there's certain people that trying to get to movie theater isn't the same as it is for me and you. You know, where we just pop in the car 10 minutes before showtime, show up, buy a ticket, find a seat, good to go. You know, there's people with accessibility issues that, you know, going to the movies is it's a whole production so having that having that option i think is is fantastic yeah i i think that you're you're right in that regard i mean we we have a friend ryan uh if you listen to ryan watch his movie he has accessibility issues and going to the movies for him is like it's an all-day thing like you got to plan it you got to plan it well in advance you gotta there's like preparation that goes into it it's it's a huge undertaking to get him to the movies. And so in that regard, I completely understand where you're coming from with that. And I'm not saying that I really fall on one side or the other, I guess maybe what I'd like to see is how these, these releases affect the theater experience, the theater attendance. Um, Because I don't, I don't, I don't want it to have some kind of adverse effect on theater attendance. I think they well, that's the other thing is you don't want it. You don't want it to, you know, completely take out an entire industry. Like that's not good, right? And I think that that's one of the reasons that it hasn't happened yet. I think that organizations like uh, the National Association of Theater Owners have been lobbying for uh, studios to not do this just because they're concerned about their livelihood, and I completely understand that. And there's right now as we speak all theaters in this country are shut down and a lot of the smaller independently owned theaters uh may not recover from this the yeah. over the overhead or the the profit margin on theaters is so low that being closed for even a few weeks it could be horrific to their industry and i mean from what all the reports are saying this could be months that they're closed so what what a lot of people are doing now is uh they're buying gift cards to movie theaters and so that you know when when they do reopen they can just use the gift cards just to inject some cash into these theaters. I would say like you probably don't if you only have a multiplex in your town, I, I would say that maybe they're not going to be hurting as much. Uh but Certainly, if if you have a little local theater in your area that that sells gift cards, consider purchasing some because they will open in the future, and we want to make sure that they do. You know that they that they have a future. Yeah, but Ian, you also got to look at some of these theaters already. Some of these places, these smaller places, even some of the big ones too. But you know, some of them have already gotten rid of like all of their staff. Or the majority of their staff. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I would say that most most of the theaters have effectively laid off their staff. I mean, they they 
can't afford to to pay people to be at home and that's that's horrific you know that's that's bad for everybody yeah getting back to the putting stuff on vod very early i i so i don't know how i feel about that a lot of people were complaining about the the price so these movies were coming out at twenty dollars a piece um and a lot of people were like oh that's that's like way too much i don't necessarily agree with that i think that for me i, I live in new york city and if my wife and i go to a movie uh it's it's gonna cost it double that you know it'll be twenty dollars a ticket and then on top of that you have uh, concessions so to me that the $20 price tag is not like that's fine like I, I will gladly pay that to have a theater experience at my home um, the other the other aspect of this is piracy you know the movies that hit VOD really early are probably going to get pirated more and is that going to have a financial impact on the movie yeah which if it has a financial impact on a big studio I care less they can go fuck themselves. Well, apparently they, at least with video games, I know that video games like bake in like sort of an, a piracy offset into the cost. So like there's like a portion of the the price, the sticker price that goes towards like making up for that. I don't know if it'd be the same thing for movies or not. Of course, video games are more expensive. They're $60 for a big video game, whereas this seems to be i mean onward is about as big as you can get as far as you know hollywood release so 20 yeah. 20 seems to be the cap for this which is not a whole lot so i don't i don't know i don't advo- advocate for piracy but at the same time i do sort of feel the same way as you do that if you got you know what i mean you're looking at times where you know, everyone got laid off from the theaters. You know, a ton of people are getting laid off from here. A ton of people are getting laid off from there. They don't have 20 bucks to watch it goddamn onward. You know, Pixar's going to be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah, that's true. I mean, one could also argue that if you don't have $20 to, to watch onward, maybe just don't watch onward. But <laughs> hey. I, I get it. I'm just playing de- it, devil's you know, advocate. People are, devil don't need an advocate. Devil's the devil. Yeah, I think everybody needs an advocate. Not um, Pixar. <laughs> They're fine. They don't give a fuck about you. So I, I think that the the takeaway here is like we'll just have to see how all this plays out. I mean, we're we're seeing. I'm sure that there's going to be other movies, higher profile movies that are going to be being pushed to VOD early. Uh, we saw Frozen Two getting released on Disney Plus early. We saw uh, Baccarat, which yeah is. You know, movie that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Kino Lorber is doing something interesting with that, where they're working with the theaters to do sort of like virtual theatrical screenings of it. And this is a concept that I that I kind of really like. I don't know like what the split is here, like how all this works uh, financially for the theaters, but basically what they're doing is that they have agreements with a select number of theaters across the country and they're doing like, so like, let's say a film at Lincoln center is like your, your main spot. Like that's, that's where I go to see like all my indie movies and foreign movies. And I want to support that theater specifically. I can go to a webpage that is dedicated to that theater and buy a ticket. And that the money that I buy that I pay for the ticket goes to film at Lincoln center rather than just like straight to Kino or wherever a a portion Mm -hmm. of the ticket goes to that theater. And then I stream the movie from, uh, it it all uses the, the Kino now service, which is, but it's sort of like, there's that middleman where you, you're helping out your theater, um, by doing so. And I think it's a really cool idea. I don't know how it works. Like, like I don't know how this is all going to play out because there's like all kinds of different theaters that are that have their own individual web pages and apparently like Kino is not doing any kind of promotion for the individual theaters like it'll still be up to the theater to promote this themselves okay and the like screening times are very specific so they're they're trying to make it more like an actual like you're going to the movies 
Yeah. So they're leaving a lot of the creative work in the hands of the theater. And then like, I think like there's, I don't know if there's like specific screening times or how that, how that works. But like when you buy a ticket, you only have like a certain amount of time that you can like redeem that ticket. So it's not like VOD where you can just rent it and then just watch it whenever you want. Yeah. There's like specific times. Interesting. Yeah. I think it's the, the longer that this goes on, I think you're going to see, you know, a wider range of distribution tactics being used. I think, you know, you're going to start seeing some creativity and a little bit of innovation of just like, hey, let's try this, see what the hell this goes. Mm -hmm. Because it seems, you know, kind of like the perfect opportunity to do it, because if it doesn't work out, you're kind of, I mean, I think, you know, we're all collectively hoping that, that there's light at the end of the tunnel that we're very close to it and then we just go back to normal. Maybe we do, maybe we don't, but you know, you got this little, little patch of time to just try some stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're seeing that across a lot of different industries, trying out new things and trying to make the best of this, uh, bad situation that we're in. So I, yeah, I would expect to see in the coming weeks, a lot of things being pushed to VOD early because I mean, they, they, it's a smart business decision for a lot of these companies too. I mean, obviously the, the theaters are going to, they're the ones that were affected very negatively by all this, but I think maybe some other companies like, like Netflix right now, they're just swimming in cash. You know it. Oh yeah. They picked up uh what was the the one that was um it was a comedy with Kamal Nanjiani. I can't remember the name of it, but it's supposed to be coming out like very soon and Netflix picked it up. And they're gonna be releasing it. Oh yeah, the reduces him and is it Ray? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forget what that's called though. I can't remember either, but Netflix is gonna be putting that out now. I don't I'm not sure yeah. when, but I imagine pretty soon. Yeah. I mean you wanna capitalize on it. Yeah, so I think that uh, there's there's a lot of opportunities for companies here. I mean, you, I've, I've been getting emails a lot. Like, there's uh, streaming services that I think we're maybe planning on launching at some point this year, and they're, like, fast-tracking it and launching early because they know everybody's at home. Everybody's at home, yeah. and they're just, like, bored out of their minds, and they're wanting to consume content. And so, like, IFC has this some streaming service that I got an email about. A lot of companies are doing sales right now where you can like buy movies, like bulk movies on, on digital at a really steep discount. So it's, it's a good time to be a movie watcher and uh, maybe not so much of a good time to be a, a theater owner. And I don't know. I'm not sure how this affects uh, like independent filmmakers either, you know, with all the festivals yeah. being shut down. And the fact that now these like big AAA like Hollywood movies are going to get pushed to VOD, that just makes uh, smaller independent filmmakers get buried, you know, in yeah. in content even more than they already are. So that that could be a it could be a troubling time for them as well. But I don't know. I guess we'll report back next week and see uh, <laughs> how the world has changed because yeah. you know it will yeah, be yeah. everything will be completely different next week. Mm-hmm. It's what a exactly. what a strange time we're living in. Very bizarre. All right, let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. Nothing. Uh huh. <laughs> no, nothing. Nothing in theaters. This is we're, we're in new territory here. This has never happened before. No. Very strange. Very bizarre. On VOD this week. We have Hunter's Moon comes out on the 24th, and then on the 27th, we have Vivarium. Uh, yeah. I, would, I would keep an eye on our VOD calendar throughout the week because a lot of new things are being added to that all the time as movies are switching from theatrical to, to VOD. So keep an eye on our mm -hmm. VOD calendar. We try to keep that updated as much as possible. On Blu-ray this week, let's see what we got here. 1917 is coming out. I would recommend checking that out if you haven't seen it yet. It's pretty good. I know you're not into war movies, though, Kevin, so I don't know. I don't yeah, know if... especially not this time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think I'll, I think I'll hold off a little bit. The whole, like, single take aspect of it is, I think, enough to warrant a look. Although I do think that it, it, it has this, like, second act 
lull in it that is really unfortunate where it just kind of starts to slow down and I think that really held it back. Uh, let's see. April Fool's Day from 1986 is getting a new Blu-ray release, as is The Wizard from 1989. Fred Savage, The Wizard. Oh, yeah. Shout Factory is putting that out. I think Shout, uh, Shout Factory... Yeah, Shout Factory is putting out the April Fool's Day. Is it, the Wizard's the one with the, the glove, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. Hell it has, yeah. It has a really cool cover, too. It, it The cover of the new Blu-ray looks like, a, like an 8-bit style... Yes. It looks really cool. I, I might actually uh, might pick this up. I love the wizard. Just like I love the power glove. All right, let's see. We got the grudge coming out. This is the new one. I would not recommend that. Oh. Uh, we have the passion of darkly noon coming out from 1995. This is going to be on Arrow. Uh, Come to daddy. That's the Aunt Timpson one. I'd recommend checking that out. I don't know if it's worth a Blu-ray purchase. I'd say you could get that on VOD. Don't be a dick about it, which was a documentary that came out last year. Uh, that's another one that I would say is worth a VOD look, but not necessarily purchase. Uh, that's pretty much all I have. What about Criterions this week? Hey, we have two. Uh, we have 1945's Leave Her to Heaven coming out on Blu-ray. Not a whole lot of special features on that one. It just has the digital restoration uh, and a new interview with the critics. And that's pretty much it. Hmm. Lean, lean special features on that one. And then the cranes are flying from 1957. A little bit more there with uh, special features. Documentary from 2009, uh, program from 2008, interview from 2001, new uh, English subtitles, new audio interview with the director. So, truck full of features there. Yeah, comparatively speaking to Leave It to Heaven, which has nothing. That's weird how sometimes, I mean, usually Criterion was. Absolutely loaded, but I feel like uh, a few of the releases that came out within the last few months yeah. didn't didn't have a whole lot. Yeah, it's always weird whenever you see one that has nothing, and you're just like, really? You couldn't come up with anything. Yeah. All right, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. I hope everyone is staying in and staying safe during this time. If you have questions, send them to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider rev- reviewing us on your podcast platform of choice. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. That's my-